I think we've been here for... We've been here for about three days now, something like that. (laughs) And sometimes we um, have this sense of frustration, perhaps. You know, something more hasn't happened. After all, I've spent three days here. Shouldn't I be enlightened already? Something, shouldn't something have happened? I think we have, in our culture, we have a uh, a habit, perhaps, of kind of expecting some instant gratification, some kind of quick feedback for what we're doing, for getting results. It's kind of endemic in our culture to expect instant feedback. There's a, a kind of a, an anecdote that's become almost apocryphal. <laughs> Maybe not that, but um, there's a, the, one of our sister centers on the East Coast, the Insight Meditation Society in Barrie, Massachusetts. They've been around now 30, 30, 35, 35 years, something like 1976. They were founded in 1976, and uh, their name is the Insight Meditation Society. And they, um, uh, in the early days, they you know were getting mail, and th- sometimes the mail had some kind of creative names to it. Um, one of them was addressed to the Instant Meditation Society. <laughs> this reflects our hope, you know, our hope. And uh, you know there are there are ads and. In some some magazines, you know, some of these like you know, um, tricycle and things like that, where it's like, you know, in you know, enlightenment in three days. The CDs will help you get enlightened in three days. You know, it's like the Buddha didn't actually teach that <laughs> that that the practice happened that fast. So um, this points to the quality of patience, of needing patience in our practice. And there's a Burmese saying, um, patience is the road to Nibbana, to Nirvana. Nibbana, the Pali term for enlightenment. Patience is the road to enlightenment. So this is what I'd like to talk about today. Patience is one of the ten paramis that we're talking about this week. And I'd like to explore it kind of from the perspective of looking at how we get impatient, because if we look at how we get impatient, we begin to see, it begins to highlight for us the qualities of patience. So I think one of the first ways that we get impatient is when we think We're thinking about something good that will be happening to us in the future. This is a kind of classic uh, kids getting uh, impatient when their birthday is coming or a holiday is coming. And this happens to us as well. And we we, we don't grow out of it so much. We perhaps shift it to more sophisticated wantings. Um... But think about, you know, reflect on how it feels for you when you have this kind of impatience in your, in your mind and in your heart. Sometimes there's a sense of excitement, but when we really feel into the experience, turning towards the experience itself, we see that it includes a kind of a restlessness, an agitation, and that there's actually kind of an unpleasant quality to that kind of impatience that is expecting something, looking for something pleasant in the future. So the uh, emphasis that we have on looking at what is coming, you know, that we, we, our emphasis is towards looking out towards the future in this kind of a situation, we're projecting into the future, we're projecting into how great it's going to be when that great thing happens to us. And that 
uh, creates an idea in our mind, a kind of fantasy, a, a sense in our mind that is pleasant. How wonderful it will be in that moment in the future. So it creates a, a pleasant experience in our mind. But what is that doing? It's taking us out of the here and now into a fantasy, into something that doesn't exist. And we're, uh, we're living in a fantasy. Anushka talked about this, the creating of worlds. So it takes us out of the present moment, and it's also masking this, uh, this pleasant fantasy, is masking the agitation in a way. It's masking the, the, um, the restlessness because we're focused out on, or actually we're focused on a, on, a, on a concept, on an idea, on something we think will happen. In our practice, we, we often get impatient for a kind, of, um, a kind of result in our practice. Perhaps we've experienced um, you know, some, some pleasant, uh, had, a, had what we would call a good sitting, you know, had one of those sittings that's very calm, very clear, uh, some joy perhaps, some sense of ease in the practice. It becomes kind of a sense of being a little bit uh, less effort to be mindful. And um, the next sitting, it's like, where is that? We get impatient. It's like, how can I get that back? So we you know, so that, that sitting has, has happened. And so we, we kind of expect something in the future. It's like, oh, well, that happened in the past, so it, maybe it will happen again, and how can I make it happen again? So we, we get impatient for a kind of results in our practice. Steve Armstrong has a, a great saying on this. It's a, There's nothing like a good sit to ruin your whole day. <laughs> and I've definitely had that, uh, that experience. So sometimes, too, we can get um, um, impatient for results and we don't even know what those results are. I mean, this example I just talked about, you have a sense perhaps about, I've had an experience of calm, of peace, of, of bliss, and I want that back. You know, I want to get that again. And it must be possible because it happened before, so it's got to be able to happen again. So there at least you're, you're dealing with wanting something, impatience for something that you've had a taste of. But sometimes we also hear about experiences and talks and Dharma talks and, and we get the idea of, well, that would be nice to experience. I'd like that. And, um, and then we start wanting something that we don't even know what it is. I, uh, I had a recognition of this on one of my, my first three months retreats. I heard a lot of talk about this state of mind called arising and passing that you, you clearly see the arising and passing of experience. And they talked about it as being a very um, a pleasant experience at times, you know, that you can just clearly see things coming and going. And uh, I thought, that sounds good. I'd like to have that. And so I was wanting, you know, wanting this. And, and at some point I realized that what I wanted actually, you know, what I was impatient for, you know, since I had no idea what I, what I was actually impatient for, I had no clue what the state was that they were describing. I just heard something about it and thought, well, that sounds good. I want that. Um, what I found was when I, when I recognized the mind getting kind of leaning into it and impatient about it, like, when am I going to experience arising and passing? Um, what I was envisioning was reporting to my teacher, you know, going into the interview room and describing, oh, I had this great experience of arising and passing. And, and when I realized, you know, actually what I was envisioning wasn't the experience itself, it was talking about the experience to somebody. You know, that kind of burst the bubble around. What, what was it that I really wanted anyway? I had no clue what I wanted. So, um, you know, we can even get impatient for results of things that we don't know what they are. 
So Tan Jeff, with respect to the practice, points to uh, a way of practicing patience. Um, He talks about the patience of a farmer. And he, he says this comes from his own teacher. And I'll read you what he writes. My teacher talks about being patient like farmers. Those of you who have never lived on a farm, even you know that farmers don't have an easy life. They work hard, especially in Thailand, where they don't have a lot of labor-saving devices. When the time comes to do what needs to be done, they have to do it quickly. In other words, when the rice grains are ready, you have to harvest them quickly before the mice get to them. You have to take care of them quickly, winnow the rice quickly before any late-season rain comes to spoil it. So it's not a matter of being slow or casual, this patience of a farmer. The patience of a farmer is the sort that knows you can't plant the rice today and expect to have the grains ripen tomorrow. It's going to take time, and during that time it's going to require work. So I think this points to a couple of of key pieces. Patience in our practice doesn't mean passivity or um, kind of a a slowness. You know, in this example, um, when the time comes, the farmer needs to act quickly. There's work to be done, and it needs to be done at a particular time. It needs to be done in in its season. So this this points to kind of recognizing where we are in our practice and knowing what work needs to be done in the moment. So it's not a matter of just sitting back and waiting for enlightenment to happen. There's work to be done. We need to be active. So this patience, we you know the term patience has a connotation I think for us of sitting back and waiting. I mean that that I think is kind of the way we. Uh, interpret the word, non-action. But the patience that's required in practice is the patience of persistence. And this I was pointing to in when I talked about energy the other day, how energy um, is perfected by patience, that we have to just keep this. It's a persistence, a persistent effort going. So there's an active quality of patience this sense of persistence. But some other words, uh, perseverance, steadiness, steadfastness, res- resolve, diligence. Another aspect of this story, I think, that it points to, again, is patience with results. That the patience of a farmer is the patience of knowing that you can't have the results immediately. You can't plant the the grain today and expect the crop tomorrow. You can't go out there and like pull on the sprouts and and get it to grow more quickly. You have to have the patience, but you create the conditions to support the the crop growing. The the garden analogy is beautiful in, in this way. You plant the seeds and then you have to water them, make sure they get the nourishment, make sure the weeds are, are pulled away. Make sure that it's, it's cared for so that uh, um, animals won't come and trample over it. So we create the conditions to allow something to happen. And that's what part of what patience is, is creating the conditions, being active about the creating the conditions. It's not just sitting back. Being active about creating the conditions. And sometimes being active about creating the conditions means not interfering with what's actually happening. So sometimes we need to take action. Again, it it really depends on where we are, what's happening in our practice. Like the farmer needing to take action at certain times and at other times needing to, to wait. So knowing, having some discernment about what, when it's appropriate to take action? When is it appropriate to cultivate metta? And when is it appropriate to simply rest with the experience as it's arising? So it takes some discernment, some wisdom. Also there's a kind of a sense too in this story of the farmer, of needing to continue to persist with the efforts, even though it looks like nothing is particularly happening. 
You know, there, there's, t- there's a period of time after the grain is planted that it doesn't look like anything's happening. But you can't just abandon the, the garden and forget, stop watering it, stop nourishing it, because you don't see sprouts coming up the next day. If you do that, sprouts won't come up in the future. So you can't abandon the effort, the persistence, even when it looks like not much is happening. Kamala Masters tells a story about this within her practice. She was um, had had come to a place where it didn't feel like there was much happening. Nothing was particularly wrong. She was doing her sitting and her walking, but she felt like she was kind of at a an impasse. Not much was happening, and you know she'd sit and she'd walk, and she went and reported this to her teacher. And he just sat there and listened to her, and his response to her was, when the fruit is ripe, it will fall from the tree. And again, this points to the fact that we, we, we don't have control over when the results happen. There's a ripening that happens, even in the places where it seems like nothing is happening. And so it requires a trust. It requires a trust in the process. And that trust comes with time. The Buddha tells a story in the suttas about... um, It's an analogy. I love his analogies. I really think his analogies are quite evocative at times. And in this analogy, he, um, he talks about a hen. It's appropriate for where we are. Uh, a hen who, uh, he says, suppose, suppose there were a hen with eight, ten, or twelve eggs, which he has not covered or incubated or nurtured properly. Even though she might wish, oh, that my chicks might pierce their shells with the points of their claws and beaks and hatch out safely, yet the chicks will not be capable of piercing their shells with the points of their claws and beaks and hatch out safely. Why is that? Because she did not cover them, incubate them, or nurture them properly. Suppose there were a hen with eight, ten, or twelve eggs, which she had covered, incubated, and nurtured properly. Even though she does not wish, oh, that my chicks might pierce their shells with the points of their claws and beaks and hatch out safely. Yet the chicks are still capable of hatching out safely because she has covered them, nurtured them properly. So this again points to patience with results, but also points to, again, taking care of what needs to be taken care of in the moment. In each moment, meeting each moment. Can we meet each moment skillfully? If we meet each moment skillfully, nurturing ourselves properly, caring for ourselves properly, skillfully, the results will come in their own time. And we may not have We have not got much control over what that time is. So again, reflecting. For me, this reflection, when the fruit is ripe, it will fall from the tree. It was like a great ease. You know, I know that I'm doing what I can in this moment to meet this moment as skillfully as I can. That's all that I need to do. I have not got any control over how fast that fruit ripens. So as we persist in our practice, you know, at times it seems like there's a little more than will that keeps us in that persistence. But over time, we uh, we do begin to see some benefits from the practice. We might notice that. you know, conversation that we might have uh, gotten agitated around. We're able to be a little more balanced. And the, the tenor of the conversation shifts in a completely different direction. So we begin to see small changes, perhaps. We see a tendency towards anger and we let it go. Or we recognize 
qualities, beautiful qualities, happiness, peacefulness that are coming up in our minds and we appreciate them. So these shifts that we see essentially through engaging with the practice, we start to see small shifts perhaps in our lives, shifts in the way we engage in the world. And these uh, small shifts then begin to encourage more persistence. And so over time, rather than feeling like something we have to do, or that we just have to make a, a willful effort to do, it begins to be something more that we uh, have a sense of wanting to do, have a sense of understanding why it's helpful to continue practicing, to continue persisting. So certain aspects of patience or a certain uh, amount of patience, even if it's a small amount of patience at the beginning, leads us to recognizing some benefits to the practice which leads us then to more patience, more, uh, more interest in persisting, which leads to yet more patience. And so a lot, I think a lot of these wholesome qualities that we're talking about in these days have this nature that we can start with a small amount and with a sense of trust in working with that small amount of whatever the quality is, working with that whatever persistence we can connect with, seeing some benefit from it, it encourages us to uh, keep going with it. And the, the qualities grow in this way. It's like a positive feedback loop. The quality itself strengthens the quality as we recognize and appreciate the quality. A second way that we get impatient is uh, when we are in an experience that is unpleasant and we are impatient for it to end. So the first one is really connected kind of to the, uh, the quality of greed in our minds. The first one I talked about where, you know, waiting for something pleasant to happen. So there's a, a wanting of something Pleasant. So there's the kind of quality of greed in our minds. This one, it's about aversion. So impatience can be related to either greed or aversion. So in this case, there's something happening in the present moment that we don't like, we want it to end, and there's an impatience about when is this going to be over. So, you know, this can manifest in, in, in small ways in our lives. We can start to see ways that this kind of impatience comes up in, you know, just in, you know, making our bed in the morning. You know, the, the blanket gets a little bit stuck as we are pulling up the bed and there's just, poof. You know, I sometimes feel just a little flash of impatience, like, oh, there's impatience. Or brushing your teeth, you know, and another place I've noticed impatience. You know, it's like just slightly unpleasant. When is this going to be over with? You know, got two minutes on this electric toothbrush. How long has it been? Has it been a minute and 30 seconds yet? Impatience. Small ways it comes up. Really helpful to notice these small ways that it comes up. Recognizing impatience when it arises. Recognizing the quality opposite. So if we're wanting to cultivate patience, one way towards that cultivation is to get really familiar with its opposite. So if you want to cultivate patience, get familiar with impatience. Turning towards it so that it's not about, you know, um, um, you know, a lot about impatience has to do with something out in the world. You know, it's like either something I want to have ending in my environment, in, in my situ situation, or something I want in my environment in the future. So in terms of looking at impatience, it's not about looking at, this, at, the, at what's out there. It's about looking at the feeling, turning towards the feeling itself. What is it like to be an, a person who's feeling impatient? So turning towards that quality. Attending to the experience in the body. How does it impact our thoughts? 
but what Anushka was talking about this morning, noticing our emotions, impatience being an emotion of, of sorts. So we can see impatience functioning on a larger scale as well in our lives. It's not just the small things. Um, and we can Im- be impatient about things in our own lives of like, when, is my, when am I going to get a raise or when am I going to, um, you know, have the relationship that I've always dreamed of or, um, you know, things in our own lives. And we can also get impatient with seeing how society works. Impatience with injustice, impatience with unfairness, so many ways in our culture that there are social uh, injustices, discrimination, racism, sexism, ageism, homophobia. So the, um, the practice of patience As I was saying when I was talking about this persistent quality, the practice of patience um, doesn't have to be passive. It can be uh, active in a way. Now, there there can be, um, with respect to injustice, in fact, you know, I think Gandhi is is an excellent model for what it means to engage with injustice in a skillful way. He has, he has this, uh, this uh, motto, non-passive, non-violent, non-cooperation with injustice. So it's not a passive thing, it's also not violent. So it, it, what part of this patience means is learning how to act skillfully, so nonviolently. And what I think this points to also is, uh, you know, not a um, not an impatience with the the. Um, well, no, not a, not a patience, let's say, not a patience with the injustice itself. It's a patience with the process of change. So this kind of patience is pointing to some other words that we could use for this kind of patience. Forbearance, endurance, tolerance. So this kind of Patience points to not a tolerance of the injustice itself because there is an active opposition to the injustice. But it is a patience with the process of change. So Martin Luther King has a beautiful statement about this. We have been able to stand before the most violent opponents and stay in substance. We will meet your capacity to inflict suffering by our capacity to endure suffering. We will meet your physical force with soul force. Do to us what you will and we will still love you. Throw us in jail and we will still love you. Threaten our children and bomb our homes and our churches. And as difficult as it is, we will still love you. Send your hooded perpetrators of violence into our communities at the midnight hours and drag us out onto some wayside road and beat us and leave us half dead. And as difficult as that is, we will still love you. But be assured that we will wear you down by our capacity to suffer. And one day we will win our freedom. We will not only win freedom for ourselves, we will so appeal to your heart and your conscience that we will win you in the process. And our victory will be a double victory. So this is not a passive kind of patience.
So this essentially is, you know, pointing to patience with suffering. And I think the Martin Luther King quote really highlighted that. And we can apply this to our own practice as well. Recognizing the kind of impatience in our practice that is a struggle with suffering in the present moment, a struggle with the experience of suffering, the difficulties in our practice. One of the things that happens for us in our practice is that we start to really see (laughs) our unskillful thoughts, our unskillful motivations, unskillful actions, with great clarity. One teacher said, practice is one insult after another. (laughs) So seeing this, you know, sometimes it feels like as we engage with practice, you know, we, we start to see the over and over again, we start to see how we are motivated by anger, frustration, wanting, pride, boredom. And we see really, really clearly. And sometimes it seems like we see more of it as we start to pay attention. It's like when I, uh, at one point I started doing a real exploration around impatience like okay you know impatience seems to happen a lot let me let me observe this and it was everywhere i could hardly get through a few moments without feeling some kind of impatience and at one point i really had to laugh you know i was i was uh, noticing something arise and it's like okay yep there's impatience again and then the next thought was it's been 2 months i've been looking at this impatience <laughs> when is this going to be oh there it is again <laughs> So, you know, it it becomes really highlighted when we start to see what's happening for ourselves. We get more and more familiar with it. We see the ways it infiltrates so much of our lives. Now, this is not bad news. It may seem like bad news as we're feeling it. But being able to see these things coming up gives us the opportunity to not be automatically acting out of them. When we can see these difficult experiences, these patterns, these habits, unskillful habits and patterns, we can choose to act more skillfully. So being able to see them is helpful for us. Now we've spent years cultivating these habits and patterns. Again, the patience of a farmer, the patience of Okay, you know, we've spent years cultivating these kinds of things. We can't really expect an hour of sitting meditation to counteract years of practicing frustration, anger, impatience. It's a slow process. The Buddha's first noble truth, understand suffering. This doesn't mean... Um, sit back and let suffering roll over you, but it does mean to meet it with mindfulness. Again, it's a tolerance, not of the suffering itself. It's not tolerating aversion and going, oh yeah, aversion. It's meeting aversion. It's aversion. What's aversion like? This is, aversion is like this. So it's tolerance patience with the process of change. One, uh, one monk talks about this kind of patience as a peaceful penetration of the irrational regions of our mind. So it's not, it's not a forceful kind of aversion to these difficulties. It's meeting them with the open heart. We can connect with Gandhi's 
non-violent, non-passive, non-violent, non-cooperation with our own hindrances, hindrances of aversion, of sense, sense desire, of restlessness, of sleepiness, of doubt. Non-passive, non-violent, non-cooperation. We don't cooperate with our hindrances. We also don't hate them. So that analogy of Martin Luther King, bringing the quality of love to our experience. Running through both of these kinds of impatience is a kind of a deeper factor of non-acceptance. Non-acceptance to what's happening in the present moment. So acceptance quality of acceptance connects with what is truth in the present moment? What is actually happening? So this is how uh, this aspect of patience connects with what uh, Anushka was talking about last night, the aspect of truth, truthfulness. Truth is the uh, parami that follows patience in the standard order of the list. So the ability to Acknowledge the truth of this moment. Not resist the truth of this moment. Perfects patience. So this essentially points to acceptance of this moment as it is. Brings us to the kind of deepest kind of patience that whatever is happening in the moment, we can be balanced around. Ajahn Sumedho has a couple of beautiful reflections around this. He uh, has his own kind of wisdom reflection that he um, uses when he's experiencing a difficult state of mind. So fear arises and he says, it's like this, it's like this. What's happening in the present moment is already happening. It's already here, already present. Resistance is futile because it's already here. Now, that doesn't mean that we uh, need to just sit back and say, you know, oh, what's happening, you know, and not take action. But it does mean looking at this moment, meeting it skillfully, the, the, what's happening in this moment, being able to meet what's happening in this moment, it's the doorway to our freedom. How we meet this moment, do we meet it with resistance, with frustration, with a- aversion, with wanting, with boredom? Or do we meet it with interest, with curiosity? The very thing that's happening in this moment is our path, our doorway. Our, it's our teacher. Meeting it skillfully. Now that doesn't mean, it doesn't mean, you know, just settling back and not doing anything. It means engaging with mindfulness, with energy, with persistence, to be with, turning towards, again, the turning towards. Another uh, way that Ajahn Sumedho reflects, he says, it's a great relief to accept things the way they are because the only real misery is wanting to see them in some other way. So, we can have patience with whatever is arising in the present moment. Patience with self-hatred. Patience with anger. Patience with impatience. As we accept what's happening in the present moment and are able to turn towards it, 
we begin to understand, again, this is the way the Buddha suggested understanding suffering. We begin to understand causes and conditions that created this present moment. We begin to understand essentially choices that have come into play, that have led us into the situation we're in in this moment. And we can begin to see what might be skillful options for meeting this moment and stepping forward. So it's about making skillful choices with what is happening here and now. When we can see clearly what's happening in this moment and not resist it. If we're resisting it, we're not seeing it clearly. We can't make a skillful choice around what to, uh, how to engage if we're not meeting the moment as it is. So the uh, seeing clearly in the moment gives us the um, ability to learn how to make skillful discerning choices. Again, connecting with wisdom. What would be the most skillful thing to do here and now? But again, we can't rush this process of change. Another way that patience is uh, helpful in our practice is that um, as we you know, engage in our practice, as we continue, we're persistent, we're uh, patient with the struggles, we begin to have some insights. We begin to recognize how something is created in the moment. We see the arising of anger in the moment and recognize, oh wow, that's, that's how anger works. And then in that moment of seeing how it comes into being, the mind can just let it go. And so it doesn't perpetuate. We, so we, see, we begin to see in moments, we begin to experience insight. We see through how things are happening. And then the next day, the next hour, the next minute even, suddenly that kind of seeing, the way we could see how anger is created, oh, that's just anger. And the next moment it's like, no, I'm angry. I gotta do something about it. That person shouldn't have done, and we're, we're in it again. And it's like, what, wait a minute. Because we, we understood something a moment ago and we're like, well, what happened to that understanding? And we get some, can sometimes get impatient around uh, our getting caught again in things that we've understood or seen, insight, we've had insight into. We've had insight into self-hatred and then oh, wow, look, at that's how it happens. Oh, maybe that... And we, we kind of get the sense of, oh, I understand now. It's never going to happen again. But no, it keeps coming back. It's quite amazing. I you know, had, had a kind of deep insight into my pattern of self-hatred, and I was like, wow, I felt such an open heart around the whole pattern. It's like, I, I really thought that, you know, I had made some real deep inroads into self-hatred in that moment. And I was kind of shocked when the next day it was like, wow, here it is again. <laughs> so patience around, again, this is the process of change. It's a slow process. And a recognition here that patience around insight, because insight is impermanence, is impermanent. It is not, it's not knowledge in the way that we think of knowledge, you know, that when we learn something, we can pick it up and use it whenever we want. You know, you, you have book knowledge, you can, you can use it that way. You know, you learn how to, how to make something or, or do something. You know, ride a bicycle, you know, you learn how to do that and you can pick it up and do it again. It's like whenever you want, you can get on the bicycle and do it. You don't have to start from scratch every time. With practice, these insights... It's not a matter of, of getting something and having it then forever. It's not that we can just pick up that insight and, and then apply it in this situation. Insight is a kind of a shift. It's a whole shift of perspective in our minds. 
a set of causes and conditions that come together that allow us to see things in a completely different way. And we do, in that moment, see things in a completely different way. And, and some moments later, that perspective shifts back to our habitual way of being with things. And we, can, we no longer quite have access to that way of viewing things. And yet the, the mind understands at some level, or knows at some level, that the, there's the possibility for that shift to happen. And so while we don't necessarily have access to being able to see things from that perspective of insight all the time, part of us can know it's like this. Part of us can remind ourselves it's just anger. It's just self-hatred. So we can use our insights in a way we can it's helpful at times to reflect on our insights and kind of glean from them what is what have we understood and then we can use that understanding to support us to meet difficult things it's not that that understanding will magically shift our perspective and we'll have that insight again but it can support our being able to meet it with a little more ease so an example from my practice, I, one evening I was sitting and looking into this experience of self-hatred arising over and over again. And at one moment, in one split second, I saw that, the, that self-hatred was simply an arising thought that had no substantial nature. So in a sense I could see that, uh, that the self-hatred itself was constructed in my own mind that it was just a thought, just an idea. And the next morning I woke up and, um, and I felt some difficult qualities of mind. I felt resistance about getting out of bed. You know, and that insight from the night before kind of lingered with me. And I, you know, I just re- recollected, it's like, oh, this is, just, you know, this is just a mind state that's coming up. And with that, it didn't put me into that space of, seeing that deeply that, oh, this is just an arising phenomenon in the mind, which is I had seen the night before around self-hatred. But it did give me some ease around, it's like, oh, this is just resistance. And I got out of bed. So that we can kind of connect with, uh, you know, this is, this is just an arising phenomenon. That's how, that was the, 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 the gleaning of the insight that I had from that experience. This is just an arising phenomenon. And I used that the next morning. I could connect with it a little bit. So patience is needed at all points on the path. You know, there, sometimes we think that if we can only get past these difficult states of mind, you know, we get, get past the anger, the frustration, the judgment, the, uh, you know, the irritation, the wanting, the pride, then everything would be fine. And, and we get past it at times and we feel states of calm, of bliss, of peace, of clarity, of balance of mind, of equanimity. Who would need patience with that? And yet, our minds, you know, start thinking, well, is this all there is? I mean, patience? I mean, peace? You know, what's this peace? Okay, yeah. Oh, peace? Okay, peace. But isn't there something more? So we get a little, we can even get impatient around our wholesome states of mind. A, a sense that, you know, well, this isn't exactly what I'm looking for. And there is some truth to that, actually. The Buddha, the Buddha said, when somebody asked him, you know, what was the key, what were one of the keys to your awakening? He said, I didn't remain satisfied with wholesome states. So there is some truth to the sense of dissatisfaction even around wholesome states. And yet, the path forward is the meeting of what is happening in this moment. If that's dissatisfaction or boredom with calm, 
that's what we meet, boredom. If it's a state of tranquility, of not much happening, tranquility, tranquility is happening. And noticing the sense of, and something else is supposed to happen, a sense of expectation of, and, 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 we can start to see how our minds will construct suffering out of nothing. So, patience lies between energy and truthfulness in the paramis list. And I think it points to kind of both sides of kind of the, the, the terrain of patience I talked about from persistence as the beginning that connects with energy to acceptance at the end which connects with truthfulness. So the aspects of patience I talked about persistence, forbearance, acceptance they're all linked with wisdom. The persistence, the persistent application of wise attention, skillful attention. This isn't patience in the abstract. Again, it's connected with what are we, what are, how are we engaging? What are we doing? Wise attention, recognizing suffering, understanding suffering. Forbearance of suffering, understanding suffering. This is really connected with the first noble truth. And acceptance of things as they are right now. This is the deepest kind of wisdom. So patience is the road to freedom. So let's just sit for a moment. <laughs> 